The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another trailblazing innovator who returns to our show to give us an update of the work she is doing to advance the implementation of secure, interoperable, nationwide health information exchange. And that's a mouthful. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Marianne Yeager, CEO of the Sequoia Project. Marianne, welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Thanks for making the time. Before we get into the discussion today, could you take a few seconds and remind the audience about you and your background? Well, sure. I've been in the health IT space for, gosh, 20, 25 years now in a myriad of capacities, worked for a health plan, a healthcare clearinghouse, but really got my start in the clinical HIE space and interoperability during a tenure at CCHIT where I helped them launch their certification program and got really directly involved in ONC's initiatives around the Nationwide Health Information Network, which really led to where I am now at Sequoia. Perfect. And perfect segue. Could you take a few minutes and provide our audience with a 10,000-foot overview of the Sequoia Project? Sure. Well, the Sequoia Project is a nonprofit with a public mission, which means that we really aim to bring together industry and government to get to the heart of the issues that impact and impede secure interoperable data sharing, as well as to really get down to the practical realities of how we can make improvements and advance interoperability. We serve as a corporate home for two initiatives, which are independently governed. They have their own mission, their own governance, their own members, and their goals, and that's the eHealth Exchange and Care Equality. So in addition to that convening role that Sequoia plays, we also do provide a neutral home for initiatives that in and of themselves want to focus on different aspects of interoperability. Perfect. Could you start today by updating us on the progress of national health IT interoperability over the last year? Well, sure. There's been a lot of progress and there are increasing pockets of interconnectivity and interoperability. And there's certainly still some challenges. I think this year we have seen unprecedented progress of connecting the country with more organizations capable of exchanging data. And we think on the verge of seeing a larger, wider scale of data sharing. So, and we think that that progress is really attributed to further collaboration. And we see HIEs maturing. We see vendor health IT systems maturing and providers as now that they're getting EHRs in their hands that are network enabled, they're starting to be able to use them to share data. And then we've also seen opportunities to really get to the heart of some of the challenges around patient matching. That's some of the work that we've certainly been applying our energies toward this year. Perfect. Thanks so much for that. Marianne, could you also tell us about the growth of the eHealth Exchange? 
The eHealth Exchange got its start within ONC. It uh, started as an HHS program initiative to enable connectivity across the private sector and with the federal government and across all health IT platforms. And today, the eHealth Exchange has connectivity in all 50 states and enables 30% of all U.S. hospitals, tens of thousands of medical groups, 8,300 pharmacies, 3,200 dialysis centers, and many, many other care settings to connect and share data over the internet. It is a federated network, so it has grown really by leaps and bounds, I think, fourfold over the last two and a half years since we've been stewards of that endeavor, and it's certainly on a continued trajectory for growth as the capabilities, again, mature in the market, and as we learn and garner all the experience from production and continue to improve testing and really improving the connectedness that we're seeing. Wow, 4X in two and a half years, that's amazing. What do you see the next year or so? How will it continue to grow and evolve? Well, what we'd like to do is round out the connectivity in communities where there's a large concentration of providers who are already connecting. We want to focus on improving and making advancements in the quality of the content, the clinical content. So we have a lot of connectivity and possibilities, but some of that connectivity isn't as widely utilized or as broadly utilized as we'd like. And so we realize in talking with the users and the implementation community that we need to make some strides in improving clinical content for clinical documents. We're also going to grow by expanding use cases. So this year, the eHealth Exchange, for instance, is working on uh, enabling individuals to get a copy of their records through PHRs and others, and then also by addressing some of the real-world challenges that people are running up against, and patient matching, again, is another good example of that. Switch gears a little bit. Could you remind us what the Care Quality Initiative is and tell us a little about its progress? Well, Care Quality is really focused on building consensus on a nationwide interoperability framework that will work across networks, much like the financial services industry did years ago when the ATM networks wanted to interconnect and not unlike even the cellular networks in enabling someone to make a call, you know, to anyone through across any cellular network across the country and frankly the world. The carry quality is recognizing that there are pockets of connectivity that are working some on a large scale basis like the eHealth Exchange, others more locally or geographically located and other emerging networks that are in the process of ramping up. And what we realize is that we do need as a country, just like all these other industries have done, is a way to agree to a common set of rules of the road a legal agreement that established reciprocal obligations and agreement on the common technical requirements that will enable providers, regardless of which network they're connected to, to be able to share records with providers who are part of different networks. So that's really what CARE Equality is all about. Great. I was reading that the Sequoia Project and CARE Connectivity Consortium just released a two-year study on patient matching. Could you give us some of the highlights? Well, we've known for a long time, Joe, that patient matching is a real struggle. And in the absence of having a unique patient identifier or really having a mature set of patient matching capabilities widely available yet, that this is something that we wanted to spend some time and energy exploring. So we have a strategic alliance with the Care Connectivity Consortium, which is a group of really five pioneering health systems. And we realized that this is an area we wanted to spend some time and energy. So we did publish a paper that reflects the three parts of the paper. One is the really very insightful experiences that Intermountain Healthcare shared and the incremental steps that they took with their exchange partners to really get to the heart of what is impacting and impeding accurate matching 
with other exchange partners. So there's been a lot of experience with organizations who've done a lot with their own respective master patient indices and improving patient matching internally for their organization. But if we want interoperability to occur, you have to have more harmony and consistency and predictability, better data integrity between different organizations who may do things very differently. So that's really where the first part of the paper focuses and sharing the experiences from a very pioneering institution, Intermountain Healthcare is very well known for being on the leading edge of this. And they really showed step by step by step how they took patient matching from a 10% failure rate and got it up to a 95% success rate with existing technology. So that's really exciting. Other parts of the paper, we wanted to focus on, well, what are the minimally acceptable rules or principles that if they were supported universally would really assure a greater set of accuracy and results and integrity and patient matching? So that's the second part of the paper, and that is really work that was born out of real-world practical experiences. And then the third part of the paper focuses on a maturity model for patient identity management. So how do we know how well we're doing and what are the different levels of maturity from really an organization that's really just getting its start and thinking about how it can manage identities across organizations and work with different exchange partners to a very sophisticated organization. We're hoping that that in and of itself provides some real tangible ways to assess not only where an organization is today, but very specifically the steps and things that they can do and that impact their ability to improve over time. And so that's really the heart of that. Perfect. You did a great job of explaining Sequoia Project's role in interoperability. Could you describe the federal government's role in interoperability? We know the federal government plays a really important role with interoperability through their leadership, through public policy. But we also see them as an active contributor in the discussions around this. Our federal partners are at the forefront of some of the most active and and prominent and progressive health IT initiatives in the country. And we are really delighted to have federal partners involved in every aspect of our work. We have liaisons from federal agencies, from the VA, the Department of Defense, Social Security Administration, CMS, and, and ONC, who serve as liaisons to our board of directors. We think that their perspective is absolutely essential. Their leadership is absolutely essential to really solving interoperability for the country. And of course, the fact that their public purpose is very much in keeping with, we want to be an enabler and an extension of their efforts and to help promote and further their objectives. So, and they're also active implementers in interoperability. So they're involved, for instance, the VA, the DOD, CMS, and Social Security Administration are actually part of the health exchange. They have real world business needs just like the private sector does, to have information exchange occur seamlessly, securely, on a nationwide scale. And so we know that having them integrally involved in our work is not only an essential for the success of our initiatives, but really for the success of interoperability as a whole. My next question is more out of curiosity, because I live in a state that has not been as successful with HIE in Alabama. What can be done to help the states that have struggled to get their HIEs going or the geographies that have struggled to get their HIEs going. What organizations are available to help? How are those states that are lagging going to catch up? Well, you know, there's not really one formula that's going to work universally for every single solitary state. They're very different, different populations, different needs, different composition of health IT platforms. And so there's still opportunities abound to have HIE, health information exchange, occur and grow in states 
both where there is a mature health information exchange that's been present and others that don't. And I think there's some universal challenges that we've seen, and that's where we try to focus our efforts or what are some of the universal needs that are really common struggles and pain points that we see across the board. And one of them is getting that sort of uniformity in terms of more standardized interfaces and agreement on how we interpret the standards that are available. We have a number of standards. Our initiatives have deployed them at pretty significant scale. And we've seen firsthand that by reducing the doubt and reducing the ambiguity and how those standards are interpreted and implemented in practice makes it a lot easier for providers to connect, whether it's to a regional or state HIE or with each other. And so I think that's one. The other universal is patient matching. Of course, we've talked about that. There are a lot of sophisticated services that regional and state HAEs often implement that are costly to maintain and to sustain. And so having more uniform patient matching practices can certainly help that. And I think finally is really having the incentives aligned that create a catalyst and incentive for providers to share information. So sometimes there's been great work that's been done regionally, locally, and even nationally, but to really capitalize and getting providers to see the value and we need to see value-based payment models are really going to be the drivers that incentivize its use. And so I think there's some tactical implementation level issues and then bigger picture universal needs across the industry and the payment incentives, I think, are certainly one of those incentive-based payment models. Miriam, what's next for the Sequoia project? What new can we expect to see as we head into 2016? Well, patient matching, of course, is going to be a continued focus. We are seeking public comment right now on that work. We will gather the public comment, use it to refine and inform the final framework that we publish. We want to promote that framework for adoption. That's one important area for focus. It's absolutely essential we continue to grow the eHealth Exchange and seek to enhance the use cases supported there. Carry quality is rolling out as we speak. We've finalized interoperability framework. We see networks already signing up to put that into practice. So that holds a ton of promise. And then recently, we just announced a collaborative effort with the RSNA, the Radiological Society of North America, to support an image exchange testing program. And we think that there is an incredible opportunity to leverage the current connectivity that exists throughout the industry and start sharing images to really move away from exchanging CDs and to really take that forward. So those are some pretty key focus areas for us in 2016. Oh, thanks for sharing that last news. I've been involved in teleradiology and PACs for almost 25 years, and that's very exciting news. Marianne, we're about to wrap for today, but before I let you go, where can people go to contact you and learn more about the Sequoia Project? All of our information and about our initiatives and how to engage in our work is on our website, which is sequoiaproject.org. We do have other Wikispaces sites that have some of the more working materials, but that's really the central console, so to speak, to learn more about what we do. Perfect. Marianne, it was so great to have you. Thanks for coming back and giving us an update on the Sequoia Project. Well, thank you, Joe. It was my pleasure. All right. That wraps this broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Marianne Yeager, I'm Joe Lavelle. And we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.